Okay. It's eight o'clock in Yerushalayim. This is Rabbi Chaim Bravimer. We're going to talk a little bit about Red Hanan. And usually, in many years, I didn't have the opportunity to teach these parashiyot that come out in the Bein Hazmanim, in the vacation time of uh, of the yeshiva world. But uh, because of the COVID, I have nowhere to go. So. Uh, I guess even bad things sometimes produce uh, results that are not so bad. So the parasha begins with a mystery. The mystery is Moshe Rabbeinu's decision to pray to God to change to change the decision that was made. Now we don't understand exactly how god works or how these decisions are made but we're made aware through the torah of some of these decisions some of the things that were done so we know that moshe rabbeinu moshe rabbeinu was told in the printer moshe rabbeinu was told by a kodesh Baruch that he would not go into eretz Yisrael, and we could only imagine what a difficult moment that was. I mean, his Moshe Rabbeinu, his whole life dedicated to bringing B'nai Yisrael, bringing B'nai Yisrael to the, uh, to the land of Canaan. And he himself is going to be punished by not bringing, by not going, by not becoming part of that nation that goes there to Israel. So that's the first thing. And we don't understand exactly why this punishment was chosen by heaven and meted out to Moshe Rabbeinu. We also we also don't understand what did Moshe Rabbeinu think. I mean, you know, we sometimes face with hopeless situations and we die because we we don't really understand. We don't have him because we know it's going to help. But we daven because we don't really. Well, the host has unmuted you. I don't know what that is. Moshe Rabbeinu, he did understand. He knew that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu said you're not going to go to Eretz Kedah, you wouldn't go to Eretz Kedah, even though Moshe Rabbeinu also knew that sometimes, sometimes the people who are guaranteed punishment are redeemed from that punishment the best example that i bring all the time is the the city of ninveh city of ninveh the prophet came the prophet yonah came to the city of ninveh and said the city will be overturned destroyed because of the way you acted now they did apparently some great Shuva, some great repentance, the whole city, including the animals. And they were redeemed. And they were redeemed. So we don't really know how it all works, but Moshe Rabbeinu, my thought always was that he did know. He understood the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Jewish people, between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and himself. He did understand. And so the second problem that we have, not problem, but the second question that we stand before is this question. 
didn't he understand? Didn't Moshe Rabbeinu understand that he was not redeemable from this punishment? Whatever explanation you might give for that, but Moshe Rabbeinu should have understood, but he didn't. Excuse me. So, the first pasuk in the parasha, Vethanan el Hashem and Rashi divides up that pasuk into kind of three parts. The three parts, Vethanan. Firstly, Rashi says, Rashi, so you know, Rashi is oriented to words. He says, well, what about that word? He says, why should that word be used to describe what Moshe Rabbeinu did? I mean, what he did was he davened. So why not use a regular word, a word that we all know? And the Torah could have said, V'yit palel. Or Moshe Rabbeinu could have said about himself, Va'et palel, perfectly reasonable Hebrew. What's that Hanan? sets us into a kind of a strange way of thinking, well, what is he really doing? And what might it mean? Let Hanan el Hashem. So Rashi says, Ein Hanun el matnat chinam. So this Rashi, this Rashi is very well known, but demands a certain amount of consideration. The word Hanun Chet nun nun, the root chet nun nun, means matnat chinam. Somehow it's connected to something that you get for nothing. What does that mean? What is what what is somebody here getting something for nothing? What is Moshe Rabbeinu? Af al pi Rashi says, sheyesh lehem letzadikim litlot b'masehem atovim, even though the tzadikim. The righteous people of whom uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is certainly one, he's certainly connected to the tzaddikim. So the tzaddikim can sort of come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, look, I, I have a lot of, of merit. I have in the bank. I have a lot of good deeds that I did, a lot of mitzvot that I have done. So. I'll trade that in for something that Am Yisrael really needs, right? Ain mevakshim, but the tzaddikim, the nature of tzaddikim is they don't want you to think that they did something, some good deed, or they did a mitzvah because they wanted to trade it in at the end. They don't ask God for anything except what comes for free. They don't want to pay. They don't want to exchange. They they don't want to get what they don't really deserve, not trading in, in the bank. Lefisha Amarlo HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I will forgive those that will deserve to be forgiven. So that's why he uses that word, which reminds you of the word, it's the same word. And so God promised Moshe, 
So we understand, we understand that Hanan has a special meaning. It means something in the context of tefillah. It means that I'm not asking for compensation. I'm not asking to justify the way I live and the way the actions I do. I'm just davening for the somebody else's good. And so Moshe Rabbeinu said that that'll work even if I done for myself. Well, it is not so understandable, not so clear. So Rashi sometimes gives more than one interpretation for the same problem, but here he says, This is one of the 10 words that's also in the Midrash that is used to describe tefillah prayer. Kedi'ita b'sifri, the sifri, medrash halacha, amba midbar and dvarim. So davar acher, I mean, uh, I don't get it exactly. Why do I need a davar acher? If the davar acher is sufficient, so that's what Moshe Rabbeinu should have said. Davar acher. Well, I don't know. I admit that I don't quite understand, but maybe we'll get to understand it a little bit better. And here you have an interesting idea. Be'etahi means at that time. At that time, what time? Remember, Sichon were the kings that didn't want the Jews to go through the B'nai Yisrael to go through their land, and they don't want to sell them water. So we conquered the land. We conquered the land of Sichon Ve'og. And eventually, the land of Sichon Ve'og became part of the Eretz Yisrael that was divided up amongst the tribes. And the tribes that went to the land of Sichon Ve'og, even though it's on the eastern side of the Jordan River, the ones who went to that to, to there were Reuven, God, and eventually Chatzis Shevet Menashe. Reuven, God, and Chatzis Shevet Menashe. So, so what? So, Dimiti Sheva Hutara Nedus of Osher Rabbeinu said, if you ask me, how did I, I mean, didn't I know that God is not going to renege? Not going to renege for Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu is special. Special means also that you don't get any leniency. I mean, how can you give leniency to Moshe Rabbeinu? It's like saying, if Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't have to understand, then no one has to understand. So Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he wasn't going to get leniency. So Rashi injects another idea, and his other idea is his other idea is Shema Hutara Neda. God, yes, said you are not going to go to Eretz Israel, Eretz Canaan. You're not going to get in, and you and Moshe Rabbeinu knew that on that basis there was no point of davening, there was no point of asking God to change. The decision, after all, that's not the way it works. And Moshe Rabbeinu knew that if he deserved the punishment, he would get the punishment. So why is Moshe Rabbeinu davening to God to ask him to forgive him or to change the punishment? Why is that? So the answer is Shema Hutar Haneder. You see those words over there? Thinking in halachic terms, maybe the oath 
that God had imposed upon Moshe Rabbeinu had been forgiven somehow. Been forgiven. Shema hutar haneder. In, in, in other words, the land of Sichon Ve'og was also part of Eretz Yisrael. It wasn't part of Eretz Kenan, but it was part of Eretz Yisrael. How do I know it was part of Eretz Yisrael? Because Sichon and Og gave up their land to Ruvain Gad and Chatsi Shevet Menashe. So if they were going to get the land, that's the land that Moshe Rabbeinu was in. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Shem Mega, I assume that in some way God has forgiven me because I'm standing in Eretz Israel already. That's what Rashi, that's what Rashi is saying. I'm, I'm in Eretz Israel. So I'm in, if I'm in Eretz Israel. That maybe the prayer will help. I'm in a little bit of Eretz Israel. I'm in not regular Eretz Israel, not the Eretz Canaan that we were thinking of and talking of, but still, you could understand my situation, Moshe Rabbeinu says. You could understand my situation as being a person who's already gotten to the promised land. I'm in the promised land. Shema hutar haneder. So Rashi says, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't daven without looking into the matter. He knew that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had somehow relaxed his decision not to allow Moshe Rabbeinu to enter the land because he was already in the land of Israel, so to speak. The land that would be divided up by the 12 tribes. And while it's true that the land of Sichon and Og are not quite the same as the land of, of uh, Canaan, it gave Moshe Rabbeinu the opportunity to imagine that if he davened for his own entree into the land of Israel, that that davening would be responded to by heaven. Right? And then you have the word Leimor. You see the Pasuk up on top? Now the word Leimor usually means, and here's the quote. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. But usually, God spoke to Moshe and said the following. But when Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to B'nai Yisrael, it's not perfectly clear why he had to use the word Lemor, because it's Moshe Rabbeinu talking, and he started talking already. He said, Who said that? That was Moshe Rabbeinu who said that. So what does this inject that word Lemor into the, into the Pasuk? So Rashi says, This is one of the three places that Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? What did, what, did, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Eini manicham 
Asher Todi Eini Eini Mani Chacham. Sorry, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to stop arguing. I'm not going to stop talking. Asher Todi Eini Taaseh Sheilatim Lav. I'm not going to let things be until you answer my request, until you do what I do, what I want you to do or not. But I'm not going to let you ignore me. So that's Lamar. Lamar means, as Moshe Rabbeinu said elsewhere, as Moshe Rabbeinu was wont to do when he spoke about Am Yisrael, that there was no barrier, even though he was speaking to God, and you could think that that would inhibit or intimidate Moshe Rabbeinu, but no, he was not intimidated. He was not inhibited by the fact that he was talking to God. Not at all. Not not for this for a moment. Not for a moment. That's what Hakadosh Baruch Hu said. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, or Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that was that Moshe Rabbeinu Lemor. That Moshe Rabbeinu had hoped, I think, the interpretation is, I think that Moshe Rabbeinu thought that his position when he would ask about himself would be similar to his position when he asked about Bnei Yisrael. Well, we know that when Moshe Rabbeinu was defending Bnei Yisrael, he had special status and a special standing, and that he was able, he was able to to say things and do things which were which were uh, to us even uh, unsightly how could you speak that way to heaven how could you talk that way right but Moshe Rabbeinu did it right these are the places where he we spoke very forcefully and he spoke about himself very very forcibly the next pasuk, next pasuk, Hashem uh, Elokim, Ata Hachilota Larotet Avdecha. You have begun to show your slaves, your people, Et God Lechav Et Yadcha Chazaka. Your greatness, your strong arm. Asher mi el Who else is there, God in the heavens and the earth? Asher ya asekimasecha, ukigvuratecha. Who could do what you could do? That's how Moshe Rabbeinu starts his prayer. So Moshe Rabbeinu has taught us, has taught us in general, that when you pray for something, you pray to God, you start off by giving praise of God. And that's remained with us. And Hashem Knesset Akdola made the nusach of Shmones, right? They said, Akel, Agadol, Agibor, Agadol, Agibor, Vadora, El Yom, Koneshamayim, Vaaretz. That's all introductory about the greatness, the power, the strength of Akadosh Bochum, that we come to Akadosh Bochum with the recognition that anything could happen. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu has all the power and all the uh, uh, possibilities, all the possibilities. One second. Here we are. Rashi says, "Hashem Elokim Rachum Bedin." You know that the world was created. Breishit Bara Elokim 
bedin. Elokim is a synonym also for dayanim, right? Elohim lo tekalel is a reference to dayanim, so that the name of God, Aleph Lamed Hey Yud Mem, is din, and Hashem Yud Kei Vav Kei is rachamim. So when the world was created, it was created Breshit Bar Elokim, bedin. But that world couldn't exist. He needed to inject Rachamim. So that Pasuk in the second parak in Breshit, this introduction of this combined name. And Rashi says, Racham Bedin, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Said, We know, Akadosh Borcha, that you are Racham Bedin, that you are merciful, and therefore I come to you. With my request, Ata Achilota Lahar Otis Abdechar Rashi, we're still in Rashi. Patach Lioto Medu Mitpalev. He started in this way, standing and davening. Afalpi Shinik Zerag even though God had said that there would be no change. Amalo Mimchalamadati, he said, I learned this from you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you said to me, after the Chaita Egel, with the golden calf, you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, said, let me be, let me be, let me alone. So, Moshe Rabbeinu said, was I holding on to something? In order to be able to start the conversation, that I had the obligation to daven for them. That's how I decided, since you told me that on the other occasion of the Chaita Egel, my prayer would be the determining, determining moment. So I'm going to do that for myself, right? I thought that maybe this would work for me right now. Rashi continues at God This is the goodness in Hakadosh Baruch Hashem quotes a pasuk that says about God Yigdal Yigdal big. Big midat tuvcha. There's a lot of goodness that comes out of heaven. Vet yadcha, yadcha zoyiminecha sheip shuta. Just one second. Sheip shuta. To change the page, right? Here we are. And I have to turn it around. Right, that God, God is is willing to be merciful to the entire world. This is a theme that most uh, Rishonim repeated in one way or the other until the modern uh, the modern uh, books of 
of Musar, that there's a battle, that we're always engaged in this battle. You, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the mercy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, conquers Midat Hadin HaChazaka, overwhelms the, the aspect of judgment that is very strong. Asher Mi'el, Ein you're not like a a regular kind of king. He has, he has uh, all kinds of agents that work for him. If the king wants to do something, do a nice thing, he can appoint somebody to do it on his behalf. But so it's never seen as the king's weakness. He doesn't have a weakness here. Nobody's going to say, if you forgive me, that we shouldn't pay attention to anything that you, that you decide. So that's his explanation of Shem Mi'el. Mi'el Bashamayim Mimal. He says, he says, the fifth shuto. Now you have another interpretation, another interpretation that Rashi gives. You have begun to show your servant. After all, we had, we bat, we went to battle and we fought against Sichon Ve'og and we were victorious. I have already begun to give uh, to, to, to allow you to vanquish. He showed me the the battles that will take place in Eretz Canaan with the thirty-one, with the thirty-one melachim. Uh, okay, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we have. Uh, I'm not sure that we have answered all of the questions, but we know that, at least according to uh, we know that according to uh, Rashi, Moshe Rabbeinu realized that his position was was not as strong as it might be that in spite of the fact that he wanted to go to Eretz Israel, he had no reason to think that God would have changed his original decision not to allow Moshe Rabbeinu to go into Eretz Israel. And surely we know there must be a difference between Moshe Rabbeinu davening for Klal Yisrael which is a charge that he had. That's what God said to him. You are going to bring B'nai Yisrael to Eretzka. <clears throat> so what does that mean? That he was a Moraderech? That he was a tour guide? No. It means that you, Moshe Rabbeinu, are responsible to get B'nai Yisrael to overcome their faults, to become worthy of the trip 
to achieve Eretz Yisrael because that's what they want to achieve. And the Torah tells us that this was not an easy task. But in order for that task to be done successfully, Moshe Rabbeinu was given the power of prayer. But the power of prayer was given to Moshe Rabbeinu for B'nai Yisrael. It was not given to Moshe Rabbeinu for Moshe Rabbeinu. It was not something that he himself was able to muster up for himself. And so, so we wonder, I mean, what did Moshe Rabbeinu think? Okay, Rashi says, Rashi says, well, you know, after all, Sichon the Oak, we conquered them. They became, that became part of Eretz Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu was there. He was in the land of Sichon Ve'ov. Maybe he thought that that would be a reason. We don't understand why Moshe Rabbeinu would think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want to keep his original decision. That's a little hard for us. A little hard for us to understand. So we understand that Rashi is dealing with the question. It may be that we understand what Rashi is saying. It may be that we don't understand what Rashi is saying. They're both are possible. Both are possible. So I want you to know at least one Svatamet, one Svatamet which is related to this question. And that's the one on, the, the, the one on top, the Svatamet. Tvilat Moshe Rabbeinu alava shalom lichlos la'aretz velo na'ana. So the Svatamet says, okay, whatever Moshe Rabbeinu thought when he went to Dabin for himself going into Eretz Yisrael, well, how come it didn't work? I mean, I mean, he didn't think about it correctly. He didn't know what it was that was supposed to happen. I mean, is all any of these ideas possible? I mean, you have to make an assumption about Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu understood. He was he represents understanding, right? He received the Torah. He passed the Torah on to. B'nai Yisrael, or that means that he was able to understand the deepest things in the Torah, that's Moshe Rabbeinu, but he was also able, he was also able to pass those deep thoughts onto B'nai Yisrael in a way that they would all understand. They'd all understand. So where was his mistake? I mean, after all, Moshe Rabbeinu started out praising God uh, as, as prayer is supposed to be. And yet, and yet he didn't get it. He didn't get it until HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, until HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, just one more pasuk. One second. Here, it says here, He's telling a story, Moshe Rabbeinu. God was angry with me. What does mean for you? That's why God was angry at me. He didn't listen to me. 
Rav Lach, and God said to me, you've got enough, Moshe Rabbeinu. Do not speak anymore to me in this matter. In other words, it looks like from this pasuk, pasuk of love, that Moshe Rabbeinu really didn't get it. So it says three things. Rashi says, uh, the pasuk says, Lo God didn't listen. What did God say? One, Rabloch, you already have a lot. Second, don't come back to me with the same complaint again. This is Pasukav. Hashem, you see the Rashi? God was angry, filled with anger. It's all your fault. It's your fault. You caused this to happen to me. You remember they wanted water and Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock, didn't speak to the rock. So it's their fault. They did it. Moshe Rabbeinu, it's not like a, a glorious moment of leadership. Davarachar, I'm sorry, Rav Lach, Rav, Shelo Yomru, Arbei, Kamakasheh, Rav, Shalom Talmid, Kama Sarbdanu Let's look at the A lot of this is yours. Rav Tov Atzafun Lecha. Rav Lach, you already have, you have, uh, I mean, wh why do you, it's like God is saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, enough. I mean, you know, it's not like you don't have anything, that you aren't granted any special kind of mercy, any special kind of connection with the Kodesh Book. I mean, it's totally the Torah. You, you are the man of the Torah. And then Al Tosif, the Pusuk says, don't talk to me anymore about this. About this. So let's look at the Svatabet. The Svatabet, you have to understand, is like a thousand years after Rashi. So the way of thinking, you know, like when you think about things, is how long did it take the Jews to come up with this other idea? The Swata Met says Tvilat Moshe Rabbeinu Olava Shalom Lichnos La'aretz Velo Na'ana You know, it's a monofshach. Where you don't understand why Moshe Rabbeinu asked. After all, he knew that God wouldn't change change the, 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 the determination. But, but if he asked, why didn't God respond? 
I mean, you know, just to embarrass him, embarrass Moshe Rabbeinu. Now look at the Tzvat HaMet. Nir'eh shehi la'alot kol tfilot b'nei Yisrael asher einan yecholim la'alot. One of the jobs of the leader, one of the jobs of that important personality who has a special connection to heaven, who is on a, 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 a speaking terms with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One of his jobs is that when everybody davens, everybody davens, you, you all know, as I, like the Balatanya says, you don't always daven. The davening you do daven doesn't always get to heaven. It's not always proper. It's not always what we want. So you need somebody who can schlep all that davening up to heaven to the Kisei HaKavod. Now this, of course, is a metaphor for something. It's a metaphor for Tfilabit Sibur. There is this idea that if you daven in a community of daveners, there's a chance that your tefillah will get to where it's supposed to get to. And sometimes even the tzibur is not sufficient. But you need amongst that tzibur somebody who could schlep the davening up to the kiseya kavot to the, to the throne of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, is that's like, like so optimistically, I would say, that even though not everybody can do it, everybody has the opportunity of connecting himself, of connecting himself to the tefillah of that special person in the minyan. So near eh, the, the he says, shehi la'alot, Right? He says there are tefillot that people daven all the time, but they can't really have an effect. They, they're just not strong enough. They're not deep enough. They're not pure enough. All those tefillot which are Unacceptable, unworthy. They can be fixed. They can be brought up. means the prayer of that one person who is so special that he can bring the tefillot up to Akadish Baruch. Everything is a, has a measure. Laser Moshe Rabbeinu alav hanash alav shalom masar nafsho bavu bnei Yisrael. He gave up everything for bnei Yisrael. He gave up his future. He gave up his children. He gave up his wife. Nafsho begama shebikesh laalot laeretz Yisrael. And so, if Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to daven for Eretz Yisrael, the Svatavet says. It can't be that he didn't understand that he deserved to be punished as HaKadosh Bohu had told him. Ayagam came, rak Yisrael, that also, that was Moshe Rabbeinu. 
he wasn't davening for himself. He was davening for the good of B'nai Yisrael, of the Jewish people. He wanted them to have the goodness. Ki yada, imos Rabbeinu nuki im, she'im lo yachni seim hu, that if he doesn't bring them to Eretz Kina'an, yashchitu achakach adarkam, they will corrupt their way. They'll fall back into idolatry. They'll do things that they shouldn't do. The same thing that happened in the past will happen again. But if he goes into Eretz Yisrael, if he can Moshe vain, Ve'odani Chai, as it says, when I'm still alive, I can make it happen. And therefore it must be that whole that this tefillah was a valuable prayer for B'nai Yisrael, af shelo lo So he reverses it. He said, Moshe Rabbeinu was davening for B'nai Yisrael, and that was his job. That was what Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to be doing. But when you dive in for B'nai Yisrael, you have to say something. To say something, he couldn't say something that he knew could never happen. That B'nai Yisrael would come to Eretz Yisrael and would be righteous. He knew that that was not what was going to happen. And we know that from the book of Shoftim and the book of Shmuel, that they fell again and again into the idolatrous ways. So Moshe Rabbeinu said in order to prevent that, he wasn't davening for himself. Because it's true, he didn't need it. He didn't need to go to Eretz Canaan. He was in Eretz Canaan. He didn't need to, to see the land. He saw the land. He wanted to defend B'nai Yisrael. He said, if I don't take them into Eretz Yisrael, Yoshua ben Nun is a great, a great man and a great military leader, but he's not Moshe Rabbeinu. He's not going to convince people that they should give up their inclination to idolatry and go directly uh, to 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 the to what God wanted of them. So he said, "I better schlep up the davening." of all of B'nai Yisrael to heaven. But but you have to daven something. You have to say something. So Moshe Rabbeinu said what he, what he wanted. But he knew that he wasn't going to get it. That wasn't why Moshe Rabbeinu davened. Moshe Rabbeinu davened in order that he could lead B'nai Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael. And that would solve another problem. That would solve a different problem. So the 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 Svatamet says the Cheno il Tzvilatozot Yisrael. It says Moshe Rabbeinu's Tzvilat was actually a valuable asset because he schlepped all the davening of the other people up to heaven, and even though he didn't get what he wanted, we understand now that what he wanted was to help Bnei Yisrael. He didn't if it was just him. It was just him. He understood that he wouldn't get, he wouldn't be uh, uh, saved. He would, his punishment would remain his punishment.
So I think you see that, you know, if you look at things in different ways, you might see different things, but the different things that you see might be might be important in this case. The leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu existed. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to daven, even though he knew that he would not be rewarded for that daven. They couldn't be, but he needed like a hook to hook it onto. You have to daven for something. You can't daven for some unknown future. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem, used that special, uh, special word to indicate that there's something special that he's doing. He's not doing the regular kind of davening. He's davening for himself, but his purpose is to bring this salvation to B'nai Yisrael. Um, okay, have a good Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. All the best.